0: Hello and welcome to the weekly eye-catching podcast, where I look back over my journal for the last week and try and expand on a few themes from my personal life, trivial matters that hopefully entertain, and serious matters that matter to me. But don't worry, it's not too heavy, and it's all done in the best possible taste. If you want to read more or less, but more importantly, see the daily image that accompanies the journal, go to www.blipphoto.com forward slash eye-catching. But first an apology for the 12 days of Christmas, the series of short stories that I promised last week but which did not materialise. The reason for this is that I decided to rewrite them, give each story an introduction, do a prologue for the whole lot and, get this, hire a professional voice artist to do the narration for me. In short, I had a sudden and for me unusual attack of perfectionism, which delayed the production process. The stories will be ready this week and posted on the main site. Check out my daily Blip Photo blog for more information. So here is my world view for the week ending 25th of December 2022. After reviewing my second ever podcast last week, my wife told me that although she enjoyed it, I did sound a bit pompous. So this week I'm going to endeavour to be a little more authentic. Let me know if you can tell the difference as I discuss, amongst other things, the chaos of life in the NHS, the chaos that is Christmas and the chaos of the British economy. You may have noticed there's a theme there. Yes, it's the C word. But more importantly is how damaging that C word is to the individual and collective psyche when synonymous with bad news. Let's be honest, there is a lot of bad news out there. But the really bad news about the bad news is that it is turning young people off news altogether, which I find worrying. As social media takes over from traditional television and print, younger people are more likely and able to avoid anything that is going to depress them and are instead choosing YouTube channels and TikTok content producers that they feel are tailored to their needs. I discussed this phenomenon with my oldest son when he came back from uni last week, and he acknowledged that a lot of his peers, he is nearly at the grand old age of 33, simply ban discussion on the bad stuff when they meet up. He is an exception, and we have regular conversations about current affairs whenever our paths cross. He is also an avid listener to Times Radio, but despite that, he is quite well informed. Perhaps most important of all, he is unusual in being an optimist of almost heroic proportions, who will try and find the good in everything and is negative about practically nothing. In fact, one of his Christmas presents to me this year was an optimism desk calendar. A positive outlook on life is something I wholeheartedly approve of. But as the first quarter of the 21st century grinds slowly to a conclusion, with only two years to go, it seems to me that the question of where we get good, well-presented information is a precondition for practically every big issue that we must address. Lies and bad politics have been a facet of human life for thousands of years. But this age is different. We can't go on twisting the facts when they're essential to our survival and the survival of life on Earth. And we have to give some reassurance to young people that there is a basis of fact upon which they can make important decisions with their lives. So let's talk about another week of chaos in the NHS, which has been dominated by discussions about industrial action, which is a shame because the real issue is the parlous state of NHS funding and the even more parlous state of the NHS workforce. The industrial action is the symptom, not the illness itself. Several years ago I was sitting in a board meeting and discussing the risk register for the NHS organisation I worked for. Part of my job then was what is now called horizon scanning and trying to predict future risk. This was after the 2015 election but before the promised vote on leaving the EU. I suggested Brexit should be on our risk register due to the potential impact on our workforce. The idea was dismissed as nobody thought the UK would be stupid enough, but of course as it turned out it was. According to a Nuffield Trust analysis last month, we've missed out on recruiting 4,000 specialist doctors thanks to Brexit. On the nursing front, it is clear that we've lost large numbers of nurses, but there is a problem with the data and a lack of plan for the future. And the situation with care homes is even more dire, with massive number of vacancies across the sector. All of this was predictable, even if it wasn't possible to plot a precise trajectory. But why would you want to? When shit hits the fan, you don't need a computerised printout to show you how big the turd was, where it landed and who got hit. We all get covered, and the current NHS crisis just proves it. Now, being a pen pusher, as the Daily Mail still calls us in this digital age, I'm on the periphery of all this, but my wife and many of my colleagues are in the thick of it. Some of the stuff I see and hear them having to deal with in the course of a working week makes my hair curl. So here's the deal. You can clap, you can provide short-term monies for short-term fixes, you can lecture the nurses about how they're unaffordable, but none of it stacks up. We all need to buy into a long-term solution that starts with giving people a dignified level of income, consummate with their professionalism. So to finish this week's rant, let me give you two very simple facts published in the last few weeks. The cost of giving all public sector workers an inflation-level pay rise would not be the £28 billion claimed by Tory Health Secretary Steve Barclay, but would, according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies, be around £13 billion. The UK now has a record number of billionaires, 177, according to the New Sunday Times Rich List. That's up six from 2021 and the combined wealth of the UK's billionaires stands at 653 billion, up more than 55 billion or 9.4% on the total wealth of the billionaires in last year's rich list. In other words, a tax on the billionaires of this country would be enough to fund inflation level pay rises for the whole public sector and would only leave the billionaires themselves 2% worse off. Now you tell me what you would rather have, more Richard Bransons or more nurses? Moving to lighter matters, I want to talk about the chaos of Christmas, but in a positive way. I have to say, I had a really good week, and of course it's all about the people. One of the best bits was the decision to invite the neighbours around for drinks and nibbles. We live in a little cul-de-sac with 13 houses, and after all the lost years of Covid, we thought it would be nice to take the risk and invite people around. About three quarters of them came, and we had an absolute ball, with people ranging from five years of age to 85 years of age, and those who have lived in the street for as much as 50 years and as little as five weeks. But of course no one was driving, which meant there was a lot of drinking. I mean a lot. Wine, beer, rum, gin, whiskey, you name it. Folklore was exchanged, bonds were made, and the hours disappeared. We had invited everyone over for an hour at 6.30, and the last person fell out of the door at 10 p.m. God knows what would have happened if the next day hadn't been a working day. We've lived here 26 years and never done this before. I wish we had. Everyone has already decided we should make it an annual event. The winning formula is simple, a natural community, plenty of booze and a minimum of formality. Yes, it was chaotic, but it was chaos of the very best kind. I will not dwell on the chaos that is British politics for very long, but could not finish without a passing comment on Rishi Shunak's attempt at canteen cosplay in a homeless shelter in London. Will someone out there please tell Tory politicians that we don't want to see them wearing aprons, high-vis vests and hard hats when visiting the real world? We know they don't live in it, and frankly, it is an insult to our intelligence. But Sunak hit a new low with his attempt to persuade someone with nothing to consider a career in the city. Or perhaps the Prime Minister had seen the film I mentioned last week, Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy and was embarking on a patronising social experiment to see if someone from the lower classes could cut it as an establishment figure. I think the best thing, perhaps, would be if Rishi Sunak could do a little more meaningful cosplay, dressing up as Scrooge after he has been visited by the ghosts, and has discovered that Tiny Tim would only need a little bit of the billionaire stash to give him hope for the future. And lastly, the King's speech. My boys disappeared from the dinner table on Christmas Day to watch Charles' first Christmas message. They came back very impressed, as apparently was the nation as a whole. I haven't watched it myself, but the Guardian said it could be read as a rebuke to the callousness of our times. So I'm hoping Charles can find subtle ways to ramp up the pressure on the government in the next few years when it comes to basic values such as caring and providing a decent living wage. That would be something useful a monarch could do. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. In particular, would love it if any interesting people want to join me in future editions to talk about the matters that matter to them. My contact details can be found on the Spotify anchor site or via my blog, www.blipphoto.com forward slash eye-catching.